All right, ladies and gents, this is your man, El Jamal, which means it's time for only one thing. You are now officially never out of bounds. This is the place where your Second Amendment is protected as long as you got them facts. And we're getting into the end of your work week. We got a few things to talk about. Of course, we got the world on the street. We're going to talk a little bit of North Korea. And then we're going to talk a little bit about the aftermath of Hurricane Florence. Uh, then we're going to get into some in-depth football. We're going to talk about three things I picked up from last week. Three things I learned about the league and the teams so far through week two. And I have a few questions going into week uh, three. And then we're going to preview a little bit of college football. Uh, we had a game fin- wrap up tonight, the first game of this week, first official game this week. We're going to talk a little bit about that. And then we're going to preview some of the action for this weekend. So uh, without further review, oh, and also we're going to be talking some baseball as well. Uh, playoff time is on its way. Uh, we have a division winner tonight. We're going to be talking a little bit about that and we're also going to go over the standings as we do so without further ado y'all let's get right into it with this war on the street and like i said uh north korea is in the news uh they uh well they actually have put out a joint statement with south korea uh mapping out new paths to uh denuclearization at least some part of north korea and kim jong-un now these plans are still vague uh what there wasn't a whole lot of details that i could come across but Kim Jong-un plans to shut down uh, the Tong, uh, Tong Chang-ri uh, missile site and he will allow independent inspectors to be there. Um, again, he's already claimed, well, he's already promised to shut down another site. Uh, this was months ago when Trump came to town, at least to uh, North Korea, uh, or actually, excuse me, in Seoul, Korea. Uh, they had a discussion then, and he agreed to shut down one of those sites, Pongi Ri. Uh, we all know, I reported about maybe a couple weeks right after that, that they were right up to their old shenanigans. They hadn't stopped. So it's it's interesting for him just to come out now. Uh, looks like, And this looks like this meeting was, uh, for the most part, headed by both the leaders of South and North Korea, meaning I don't see where Trump had any of his hands on it. It didn't say he hadn't, of course, hasn't been saying anything in the news like, oh, I've been trying to get these guys to come together or anything like that. So it kind of, it does seem as though he, you know, he kind of did it on his own, uh, at least, you know, him and his government officials. So I'm not too sure exactly where he stands or if to take him or even to take him seriously this time again. Uh, I already reported about the about maybe a week or so after the first initial meeting with Trump, he was back to his old ways, back to his old site, Pungi Ri, and uh, he actually had already two missiles had uh, had already been created. So again, I don't know how slick they are, how slick they're tra- uh, uh, planning on being. Uh, maybe they do want to turn another leaf. Uh, he also agreed to shut down uh, young, uh, the site Young beyond and that will be under more conditions uh, apparently there were some things that him and trump talked about uh well some agreements they had came uh came to and he agreed to shut this site down if those agreements were kept of course uh there isn't there was no information i could find about what those uh those agreements were so again a little bit still vague I'm not again again and with the vagueness of it, I'm not a hundred percent sure he's gonna try to follow through with it. That's just me. Uh I don't wanna put nothing negative, so I'll just I'll just say I'm unsure. <laughs> uh North Korea has also agreed along with South Korea uh to to uh host. They put in a bid, they're gonna put uh, well they agreed to put in a bid to host the twenty thirty two Olympics. So uh it does look like, at least on the surface, he wants to re. I wouldn't say reunify Korea, but definitely, um, you know, ease tension. At least that's what it looks like. Uh, both Koreas have agreed to easing the military tensions and increasing communications. They also want to reopen up the border uh, somewhat to allow for families to reconnect with each other. So I think that's a positive thing, especially if it falls through. And again, uh, it fell through. On their accord, when they wanted to do it, not without, you know, a foreign, you know, guy, you know, i.e. Trump uh, trying to tell them what to do. If this all works out, I'm proud of them for being able to come together and work this out amongst men and women and and foreign and and just and just, you know, government officials coming together and seeing what's right uh, for the two Koreas and the peninsula as a whole, the whole area. Uh, So hopefully that does come through. Now, the North Korean defense minister, Noel Kwang Chol and the South. 
South Korean defense minister Song Young Moo signed an agreement that would disarm the border town of Pon Mujong. So it looks like more and more steps are being made to possibly unify in the future. I don't know. I can't speak on that today. But both armies will work together to also remove landmines for the air from the area. So if that area goes, maybe other areas of the of the uh, militarized zone may be uh, eradicated as well. I can't say that today, but what I will say uh, tonight is it's a good step. Hopefully, as long as Kim Jong Un is is you know. Uh, keeping his word. Of course, we all know, uh, in case you need me to remind you, you know, he did agree, uh, you know, to some stipulation with the U.S., but he didn't come through with that. Maybe, you know, it's a different situation. These are, you know, like, you know, you could say those are his neighbors in South Korea. They have a lot in common in terms of their culture. Maybe it's more, maybe it's more easy to come with an agreement with them. Uh, maybe it's more easy to talk to those guys than it is with Trump. I don't know, uh, but apparently this is the case, and this is what they're trying to do. So, uh, good luck with that, North and South Korea. If that's what you guys want to do, hopefully it works out for you guys. Now, in the other big time news going on, uh, Hurricane Florence. Uh, I reported about it a little bit about. It this week, but mostly last week. Uh, big time, uh, one of the first big time hurricanes of the season uh, went through North Carolina, the Carolinas, both the Carolinas last week, and it uh, left 37 people dead. Uh, three feet of rain was left uh, in the North Carolina area over the weekend, and also 6.5 inches travel, and also the storms would also travel to the northeastern areas, uh, and also causing flash flooding over the weekend. Uh, Wilmington, uh, the main town that was well, initially struck uh, by the hurricane, with about 120,000 uh, people deep, uh, was left. Well, certain parts were left virtually underwater, and these were mostly. Uh, you know, areas where the roads were at, the interstate was actually uh, shut off. So the town itself was kind of has been shut off uh, from a lot of, you know, uh, from the outside, I guess you could say from the outside uh, since the weekend. Uh, and the, gov uh, the governor of the state, Roy Cooper, has urged people to stay at home if they're still there because roads are still very dangerous. And many, many of them are just now being closed due to the flooding. Uh, 27 of the 37 deaths occurred in North Carolina. Now, and also uh, another cold part about this was 5 million uh, gallons of sewage uh, got spilled into the Cape Fear River after a power outage and uh, at a treatment plant. And uh, this killed 3.4 million chickens and also 500, uh, sorry, 5,500 pigs. So it definitely messed up the agriculture. As you can already see the effects, uh, like I said, about uh, I think it's up to over uh, 1 million people without power. So it's a very uh, difficult, uh, you know, time for them. Uh, but there are ways you can donate. Uh, there are many ways you can get involved if you're living on that side of the nation. Uh, so it's not all, you know, not all hope is gone, of course. And uh, hopefully uh, they're able to pull through just in time because this season is just getting started. Uh, there's no, there's no, Telling where those uh, the, the next of these hurricanes are gonna land, so I uh, wish those people, to be honest, to be honest with you, I wish them all the best. Um, you know, hurricanes are no joke. You know, I'm, I live in California, uh, where we have, you know, we have we have uh, earthquakes. You know, those happen without you know real cause, rhyme or reason. Uh, but again, you know, hurricanes are just as devastating. Uh, you know, we've all seen the damage that Hurricane Katrina left in about. 2005 so you know it's it's very serious you know and i i hope these people uh, are able to make through and i hope they're able to make those adjustments adjustments and keep things going uh but help has arrived in certain areas including wilmington supplies uh certain places are getting power back so uh there is there is becoming uh silver linings in this story hopefully uh we can keep that they can keep that going and uh hopefully there isn't 
isn't many more isn't any more people uh, uh turning out to be dead uh that sucks you know death is always you know especially in a situation like that you know uh natural a nash a natural disaster again you just want to hope for the best and hopefully that's it in terms of people dying and hopefully we can get we can get their uh stuff turned around as soon as possible all right ladies and gents i'm gonna take my first break for the night and when we come back we're gonna go over some nfl we're gonna go over some in-depth uh, stuff like I said, we're gonna go over the three takeaways and also the three things that I I learned through. Uh, sorry, the three questions I have going into week three. So we'll be right back, y'all. All right, ladies and gents. So we are back and we're gonna get into this NFL real quick. And there was a few things that I took away from week two. Um, and pretty much here they are. Um, for one, I think the Rams are legit. I pretty much think they're like I said. I, I might have. Talk, I know I talked about it in the, in the uh, divisional, the NFC West divisional uh, preview uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, but I definitely have them in the driver's spot to win the division. Uh, they can definitely get a playoff berth, possibly push to a, a Super Bowl. I don't know how to. You know, I won't say that all the way now. Week two going into week three, uh, but they're definitely a good team. They're definitely a contender. Uh, they're definitely good enough to win that division. Uh, they just recently last week shut out. Uh, Arizona 34 zip. We all know what they did week one against my Raiders. Uh, it was an unfortunate game for the Raiders, but uh, the Rams are showing out. Uh, so far, two games, they've only allowed 16 points. They have the seventh, uh, seventh best offense uh, in the league with 33 and a half points a game. They've only given up one turnover so far. Uh, Jared Goff is the sixth, uh, sixth best QB in the league. You know, so he's, you know, they're solid there. We all know about their running, their running game. You know, with Todd Gurley, uh, we do know that they have Brandon Cooks uh, catching passes, um, and also uh, they they've uh, turned well. They forced six turnovers so far, and this is tied uh, for third in terms of giveaway and takeaway stats. So these are those are those are two. There's one really prominent uh, stat that you want to have. You want to be able to to take care of the ball, and you do also want to force turnovers as well. You always want to get extra possessions. Uh, looks like they, they're doing a good job of that so far. They've recovered two of those four uh, those four forced fumbles. So, they you know, they can get to the ball. They can get to the quarterback. Uh, they can stop plays. They don't give up a lot of points. You know what? I'm sorry. As of week two, the Rams are legit, and they are officially the team to beat. Uh, the second thing that I've been worried about, though, uh, it took a it took another it took another ugly game for me to to really see this, but um, I'm I'm generally I'm real deeply concerned for Russell Wilson, and I'm genuinely concerned for Russell Wilson. Uh, he's been, he was sacked seven times uh, on Monday night versus the Bears, and he's been sacked thirteen times since week one. And you know, one of the main things that I do know, uh, you know that. That is leading to that is the fact that they do not have a solid O line. Uh, their O line, you know, I don't know what to make of it, but obviously it hasn't been doing enough. Uh, they do have, you know, they do have some outside threats. Uh, they have their tight end Disley, uh, who's been catching passes here and there. Lockett can catch touchdown passes as well. So it's not like you know Russell Wilson can't throw the ball. He's had a, he's had his opportunities to, to to get touchdowns. He has about four touchdowns this season, and his 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 numbers aren't bad passing the ball. It's just that he's getting no protection. He's getting you know he's scrambling. He's running around the pocket, and there's only so much you can do like that. And I wouldn't want it, and I don't want to see that to happen to him no more. You know, because it would really put them in a situation if he starts to get hurt, if he starts to turn into an Andrew Luck. Uh, and that's kind of what happens, where he's potentially hurt, where he can't stay up straight, his offensive line can't do nothing for him. You don't want to be like that. And uh, another big thing with them is that they're getting no running back production. Uh, they're averaging about three uh, point four yards to carry. Uh, neither one of the, the running backs that get decent amount of work, uh, either Rashad, Penny, or uh, Kaysen are not getting any type of uh, – they have no touchdowns. Uh, between them, they've only – between all their running backs and, and including Russell Wilson, they only have uh, 128 yards rushing. So, you know, that's not a good sign. They're completely unbalanced. 
Uh, they're throwing the ball a little bit too much with a quarterback who can't who's not the best uh, passer in the bunch, and I'll give him that. He he has his his skill set, and it's not to be you know chunking the ball down the field almost you know thirty five times a game. Uh, he's solid, really around twenty twenty five passes a game. You can see he can still get his numbers. He can still get his yardage. You know he's not he's I I you know he's not your prototypical quarterback. Russell uh, Wilson is. He's not somebody that I would want to take thirty. 40 passes a game. I want him to move around. I do want him to move around a bit. I don't want him to move around too much, though. There's a balance. And, um, you know, at at this moment, Seattle doesn't have that. Uh, I don't know if it's, you know, coordinators. I don't know if it's, you know, the, at the head coaching spot. Uh, definitely, you know, losing some of those defensive guys did hurt. Uh, one thing I will say, though, like I said, along with their receivers, they do have a a running a running defense. They do they can't stop the run. Uh, they did keep the Bears and the Broncos to minimal yardage. Uh, I don't know you know they do play uh, Dallas this week. You know they'll play a legit running back. I don't know how they how well they do against a legit running back, but I will give them you know the fact that they have a pretty decent run defense. And. Another big thing that I wanted, another big take uh, takeaway I wanted to talk about was the Packers and the Vikings. I think this is a rivalry that deserves us, you know, our watch, our watching. Uh, the final score that they had last week was twenty nine to twenty nine. Of course, it ended in a tie. Uh, you know, the the Packers started off uh, pretty hot early. Uh, of course, we all know uh, your, your boy. Uh, Aaron Rodgers did his thing. Uh, he he got about uh, two touchdowns, I believe, in that game. Uh, the big thing I wanted to talk about, though, uh, was with uh, yeah yeah uh, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, he got his touchdown. He went thirty of of, of uh, thirty of forty two. He didn't really ball out super hard. He only had that one touchdown. Um, you know. Of course, Jimmy Graham did his thing. He added six catches, 95 yards. Devontae, uh, 95 yards, excuse me. Uh, Devontae Adams had eight catches and 64 yards with a touchdown. And uh, the running back, Jamal Williams, added another 59 yards. Um, in terms of defense, Jair uh, Alexander led the way with seven tackles. Uh, Ha-Ha Clinton Dix also had, a t- had three tackles and interception. And one thing I'll, I'll tell you is Mason Crosby, every year, you know, he's – He's supposed to be the old guy in the NFL, at least of the kickers, but he seems to get it done. Um, you know, he always seems to get it done. And like I said, you know, the, the Packers, they jumped out to a, a solid lead. Uh, but the Packers, I'm sorry, the Vikings were able to score 22 unanswered points in the fourth quarter to even take it to overtime. And I, I think those are the games that you want to see. You know, you definitely want to see a good give and tuck, uh, give and, yeah, uh, touch and go. You want to see teams compete with each other. And, um uh, you know, in the past few years, the Vikings have been that team to match up with the uh, with the Packers. You know, the Packers are you know they've always you know even even in their their uh, Super Bowl years, they've always had that that uh, that chink in the armor that might have you know that that would that would, that might catch them at some point, and it usually did in the playoffs or it usually did against this team, the Vikings, right here. In terms of their stats, though, uh, last week, uh, Kirk Cousins he had a, a damn good game. He went thirty-five of forty-eight, four hundred twenty-five yards, four touchdowns, and an interception. Dalvin Cook was only able to get thirty yards. Uh, Adam D, uh, their wide receivers though, uh, both Diggs, uh, Stephon D- 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 uh, Diggs, excuse me. And Adam Thielen, two awesome guys here. Uh, definitely a good help to Kirk Cousins. Uh, should take him some places. Uh, Adam Thielen had 12 catches, 131 yards, and a touchdown. Stephon Diggs completely balls out. He has nine catches, 128 yards, and two touchdowns. So uh, look for those guys to be connecting with Kirk Cousins all day. And, um, you know, you got to see that in this in this uh, matchup, and you got to see you get to see. And what I like about this matchup is you get to see uh, the best of everybody, and you get the chance to see uh, what both of these teams are missing. Um, in terms of defense with the Vikings, Xavier Woods, uh, Rhodes, excuse me, led the way. He had eight tackles, and cornerback McKenzie Alexander he has seven total tackles. And like I said, you will see you know in this in this rival, which is which is what I like to see. You will see the high. Highlights and the strengths of both teams. We both know these teams can pass. One thing I can say for both teams, which you can see, uh, I think both defenses uh, are really good against the run. Neither one of those running backs did uh, exceptionally great on either team. 
Uh, of course, uh, you know, they have good quarterback play, so they're going to be having a lot of uh, yards through the, through the air. So that that's going to be definitely be exciting. Uh, another thing that you'll see, like I said, you'll see you'll see each team's strengths and weaknesses. We do know that the Minnesota Vikings don't have a kicking game. Uh, their kicker went 0-3. They could have won that game uh, in overtime. They could have won it a couple different times, but they went 0-3 for three in the field goal department, you know, it doesn't, you know, it might not make a difference now, uh, but later down the line, you'll see that. Like I said, in terms of, of uh, Green Bay's weaknesses, obviously they need help running the ball. Uh, Ty Montgomery, he didn't really have any yardage. Like I said, Jamal Williams ran for about 59 yards, which is average. But if you don't bring it, add any points to the situation, it's like, uh, you know, uh, what can you do? Uh, but other than that, I thought I thought the game itself was exciting. Like I said, this team has been, both these teams have been going back and forth for NFC North supremacy for a good number of years. It's exciting football. Uh, you you see two you see you see uh, probably the second best quarterback in the league go up against uh, a young up and comer. Uh, you'll get a chance to see that one more time. I thought what I saw Sunday was was tremendous football. I think uh, you know. The winner of that division could probably go places in the playoffs if they're able to get uh, their weaknesses together. So, I, I again, you get a good chance. Like I said, this with this rivalry, you kind of get a chance to see two good teams, really how good they really are. Because if we look at it in the NFC, I'm so yeah, in the NFC North, the Chicago Bears aren't really going to challenge just as of yet, I don't think. And you also have Detroit, who's kind of falling apart. So. Those are pretty much two guys you're going to see consistently uh, throughout the year, just being good, uh, being above 500. So it's going to come down to one of those two teams. So uh, you get a, you got a good chance to see just how deep this can go this year. So I, 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 liked, I liked seeing that. I liked watching that. Now, uh, three questions that I have going into week three. Uh, I'll start with my first one. And my first question going into week three is really how good is Ryan Fitzpatrick? Now, you know, you've heard all you've heard all the, the puns, you've heard all the names, Fitzmagic, uh, Fitzception. Really how good is he? Uh well let's talk about it a little bit. Uh, this man just last week went 27 to 33, 402 yards, four touchdowns, and one interception against the, the reigning Super Bowl champions, the Eagles. This is a team with a sock, with a very good, I would say, A minus defensive line. I would say linebackers are about a B plus, and I would say the, the, the secondary is about a B plus, or maybe even an A minus. Uh, and like I said, he, he torched them 402 yards on a defense like that. You don't, you know, well. I'll, I'll say it like this. I'll say it like this. You know, he has three great receivers to help him out. Uh, so far this season, he's been insane. His total numbers are standing at 819 yards, eight touchdowns to just one interception. He has a 151.6 QBR. Now, you know, uh, he definitely, like I said, he definitely has help with three great receivers. He has Desan Jackson, the OG from Cal, who's been doing his thing. We have uh, the second-year tight end, O.J. Howard, who just had a monster game last week. I think he had a monster game in week one, too. And then you have Old Reliable, who's been there for the past three or so years, Mike Evans, who's probably, if I'm not mistaken, yes, he is a lead receiver on that team. Now, you know, if I were to take a quick uh, answer, just to just to answer this question, if I if I if I could real quick, I would say he's pretty damn good. Of course, you know we'll have to see how the season progresses again. But we've seen him get down before. He's had a, he had he's had a few good years uh, with the Jets. He's had multiple uh, twenty. 25 plus touchdown season so we know he can get down we know he can pass he was able to get a multi-million dollar contract about 2015 uh through the jets just because of his play so i think if you give him you know the, the right amount of talent if you keep that offense balanced if, if they're able to get a running game going which i don't see with them and as well with many other teams and maybe it's just the time you know the time in the era that we play in where quarterback play is so revered and and you know quarterbacks are so protected by the rules that it just promotes that i get that but i think if you really want to take these teams out the element one of these teams is gonna to have to be a real dominant running team that would change the whole dynamic of a league uh if we have a running back you know like you know 08 marshawn lynch who's gonna get you that thousand yards or hundred 
50 yards a game, something like that, dollar yards, over a thousand yards in the season. You still need that for balance. And uh to for them to for them to continue to as to grow as a team, they would have to develop that running game. Uh, but they do have the defense, and like I said, uh, he has the three great receivers. Now I'm pretty sure uh, when Jameis Winston comes back, if if I was a betting man, if I was it personally, if I was a GM, if I was running this team. Knowing what I know from Fitzpatrick, knowing his history, knowing that I know he could take a team to the playoffs, knowing that I know we can get, you know, capable numbers. He's had, like I said, he's had multiple seasons where he's had, uh, you know, 25 or plus touchdowns, which is good, which is a good stat, especially for somebody who's not considered to be who who's not considered to be great or considered to be a backup. These are good numbers. I've never seen him have a season, maybe uh maybe a couple down years, but there's not too many years in which he has more interceptions than touchdowns. So uh Ryan Fitzpatrick I think is good. Like I said, time will tell. Uh that defense is pretty solid. Like I said, they're able to get a running game. I know for a fact that they could well, they might be able to challenge. I don't know. We'll see. Uh Jameis Winston, I don't know, bruh. I mean, unless he has a bad week, you know, now or at some time or a couple bad weeks in a row, Jameis, you might you might want to look for a new job, bro. And you can't and it's not like you're mature enough. You know, you want to harass the Uber ladies and stuff like that. I don't know, dog. You want to eat W's and you want to act erratic on the sideline and not win. Jameis, I don't know, bro. I don't know. Your man, your man, uh, Fitzpatrick, he might just. Fitz, Fitz magic you out of a job. I don't know, bruh. Uh, and my second question, the second thing I would like to know going into week three is will Antonio Brown shut the fuck up? Uh, you know, and this is what's going to lead me to another segment. I won't start it tonight, but I'll start it tomorrow. And it's going to be called the State of the Union. And basically, I wanted to talk to you guys about, you know, how these teams are looking. Uh, where these teams are headed in the future, where they're possibly headed, and just what their, you know, what, like I said, State of the Union. And just, you know, looking at Antonio Brown and all the stuff he's been through, what he's been doing, and the Steelers in general, it made me really, and, and just what the Raiders have been going through this season, and just what, you know, who they cut in the offseason, you know, and just where they're at right now, it made me really want to take a deep insight into these other teams and just, and just lay it all out. So what I'll be doing in the next few weeks, I'll be telling you guys, you know, where these teams are at, where these teams are headed. Uh, depending on the team, uh, I'll have, you know, maybe one, uh, one full death, you know, type of situation. And then, you know, the rest of the time, I'll talk about a few different teams. Uh, but I'll start that tomorrow. Don't worry about that too much. The main thing, the main thing you need to worry about is my question. Will Antonio Brown ever shut the fuck up? Uh, you know, his season stats right now aren't terrible. Uh, he had eight, he has 18 catches so far, 160 yards, two touchdowns. Of course, they're not uh, extravagant for his liking. But, you know, I guess we're, we have a team that's in flux. We don't know. Uh, last week, he didn't do that bad. He had nine catches, 93 yards, and, and a touchdown against the Chiefs. I think he's the number one. He's still the number one receiver. You know, you know every week is different. I don't think he, you know, I don't think it's not that uh, Ben Roethlisberger doesn't like him or anything like that. It's just, you know, you know, every week is different. Defense is going to come at you something different, you know, with something different. He might not always be open, uh, but he's he's a big time distraction. And, it, and it, you know, with a team that has the drama it already has going on right now with the Le'Veon Bell situation, he don't even want to play. He got an offensive line that just recently came out and turned against him. Uh, where we have a locker room, yeah, there's a, it's a it's a mismanaged locker room, and you have Antonio Brown at the center of it, uh, threatening reporters, uh, threatening to see what they jaw gonna look like when he meet them, and you know he's not even really necessarily focused on the game in my opinion, and it shows. And this is what I really want to know: Can he shut the up and become a leader on the field uh can he can he put his pettiness aside and and you know help you know ben uh you know take this team from looks it, 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 they have a, i think they are they have the tendency to be very mediocre this year i know a lot of y'all don't want to hear that but they have the tendency just looking at the past couple of weeks they have a tendency to be very uh pedestrian middle of the road and you know I don't think Antonio Brown has a mentality or, you know, the makeup, 
you know, the personal makeup to help change that, to be a solution in that locker room. And, you know, it's going to cause problems. Um, And it's not a good look. It's really not a good look. And my final question that I have going into week three is who is going to take a step and start to control the NFC East? Uh, we have three teams currently tied at one and one, and then we have the New York Giants sitting there at the bottom at zero and two. Uh, one thing that I will say about the NFC East right now is that very subpar quarterback play. So at the moment, you know, it's you know I, I don't know really what to make of you know each team, but uh, just going down through some quarterback stats real quick. Nick Foles has a quarterback rating of seventy eight point nine. He has been doing well the past two weeks. Dak Prescott has only two uh, touchdowns so far this season, and he hasn't passed for two hundred yards or more yet. Uh, Eli Manning has only one touchdown, and last week he had a he had a interception and a sixty seven point. Eight quarterback rating. Uh, actually, it wasn't last week. This was in week one. And Alex Smith, he had uh, zero touchdowns last week in a loss to the Colts. So very subpar quarterback play. So it's really hard to say who can, you know, that's one of the main things that I have, you know, like who out of these four quarterbacks can can even perform or can or can turn the tide around, um, you know. And let's just break it down a little bit more uh, by team. Uh, Philly, uh, they are bringing back Carson Wentz. He will be cleared for the game against the Colts. Uh, however, they're, one of their targets, uh, uh, Mike Wallace, he will be out for a stretch of time. He broke his fibula last week. But with that being said, they are bringing back in Jordan Matthews, who caught 73 passes for 804, 804 yards for three touchdowns with Carson Wentz in, in 2016. So, you know, I think this week they can get a win. Uh, look for them to. I think they could definitely get a win against the Colts. The Colts, they really have don't have much to offer. So look for Philly to go up two and one. Um, as far as the Cowboys go, they still don't have a star wide receiver. And again, it shows. Like I said, Dak Prescott has only thrown two touchdowns, and he doesn't have a game in which he's gone over 200 yards yet. Uh, but they do have the fourth best defense in the league. They have nine sacks, which is second in the league. Uh, they do play at Seattle this Sunday. Uh, Seattle, of course, they have their offensive line so issues, so look for Dallas to do pretty well. And if that's the, and, and I think they should. Demarcus Lawrence already has two sacks so far, and he had uh, – and the team and the team itself had six last week versus the Giants, so they're definitely going to be getting at the Russell Wilson tomorrow. I'm de- uh, not tomorrow, but Sunday. I'm really worried about that. Now Ezekiel Elliott hasn't gone; he's gone two weeks without rushing for 100 yards. That's something to worry about too, because there's been a lot that's been said about Dallas's line over the couple of years about them being uh, one of the best in the league, and. It looks like really that hasn't really come to fruition like that. They haven't been dominating the Russian, uh, you know, Russian categories in terms of stats, and you know it hasn't really led to Dak's progression either. So there's a lot to take away. However, I will give them the win uh, against Seattle Sunday. Seattle just isn't shit offensively uh, in terms of offensive line. I don't think that they can run the ball well either. So I'm going to give the Cowboys that win. Um, In terms of the Redskins, uh, Rob Kelly, they they, they just keep having injury uh, issues. Darius Geis went out in preseason for the rest of the year. Now another one of their running backs, Rob Kelly, is on IR with a toe injury. And it looks like left, their left guard, starting, starting left guard, Sean Laval, will also miss time this week because of a uh, of a calf injury. Uh, but they did sign two wide receivers, Bashar Perriman and Michael Floyd, this week. Uh, as far as Perriman goes, he's played in 26 of 48 uh, NFL games in this career um well he's yeah about yeah 26 overall he's he's been around uh since uh 20 uh, 15, uh 2015 yeah he's playing 26 games he has 576 yards three touchdowns and 43 catches now like i said he's a 26 overall pick in 2015 and he was weighed by baltimore in september after three seasons so you know he's looking to get some catches and then they did and they did add michael floyd who was a 13th overall pick in 2012 now he's played in 76 games mostly with the cardinals and he has 20 200 42 catches, 3,000, uh, 
3,739 yards and 23 touchdowns. So he definitely has some experience. So those guys should help out. They'll be passing the ball a little bit more. Their thing is they're going to have to go against Green Bay next week. And the thing about – and they do need – they definitely need help at wide receiver because so far their wide receivers only have 18 catches, 173 yards, and zero touchdowns. So they need help. Uh, my question is do they, do they get – do they get what they need to get next week against the Packers? And, you know, there's no way to tell. Um, I, You know, I like, you know, Adrian Peterson winning the ball, even though he's a little bit older. Uh, the Packers, you know, they do have the seventh worst, uh, worst passing defense in the league. So uh, maybe maybe the Redskins can get up some passes in there. We'll see what they can do. I obviously would take the the Packers to win that game. Uh, so, look, I, I, I think the Redskins go one and two. And as far as the Giants go, uh, they've gone 34 straight games without scoring 30 or more points. This goes all throughout the 2016 and 2017 seasons. Uh, Odell Beckham was recently quoted as saying, I feel there's no way you can't score a touchdown in every quarter and one somewhere else. It doesn't it doesn't seem realistic to me. And this, you know, it makes perfect sense. I understand that. But uh, you have a weak ass quarterback. I, I, you know, Eli Manning is old. He's not the man no more. So I don't know what y'all going to do about that. They've only scored 28 total points this season. And uh, they'll be at the Texans this week. Uh, Texans are kind of sucky, too. So this game is a little bit harder to pick. Um, I'll give Odell Beckham the benefit of the doubt. I'll, I'll, I'll give the Giants the benefit of the doubt. You know, they should probably get their first win. You know, they you know, the Texans are beatable, so I don't see why not. Uh, so, in reality, you know, there you go. Uh, I, I think, you know, eventually Dallas or, you know, and it's hard, it's hard to say right now because none of these teams are really blowing me away at this point. But it's probably either going to be Dallas or Philadelphia to pull away. Uh they seem to have the better talent on the field. Uh, it's just a matter of time before, you know, that talent starts to show up, in my opinion. So look for them to probably pull it around. Uh, if not this week, maybe in subsequent weeks. But I definitely do see Philly and Dallas getting wins this week. So, again, they probably won't be able to differentiate. But we'll we'll get a clearer picture about at least who's the better of those two once they play. All right, y'all, so we're going to take another quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk some college football. Of course, we're going to be talking about the first game of the week, and then uh, we'll be talking about some top 25 action over the weekend. All right, y'all, we'll be right back. All right, ladies and gents, so we are back, and week four of the college football season got started tonight. And two smaller schools, Temple and Philly, took on Tulsa of Oklahoma. And Temple got the W, 31-7. to We're going to go over these stats real quick. As far as Tulsa is concerned, uh, Luke Skipper at quarterback went 22-41, 195 yards and three interceptions. This was a, a pretty, actually a pretty good game played by both defenses. A lot of turnovers, uh, not a whole lot of, uh, you know, significant plays, significant yards by the team and uh, no real um, scoring offensively not a whole lot of scoring offensively uh, but Corey Taylor the second uh, got a, got 96 yards rushing and two touchdowns and in terms of receiving for Tulsa Justin Hobbs led the way uh, with nine recoveries and 78 yards uh, in terms of defense linebacker Cooper Edmondson led the way with seven total tackles and two interceptions uh, as far as t uh, Temple is concerned though Anthony Russo also, well, he had an even worse game than Luke Skipper. Uh, he went 7 of 20. This is terrible. You guys know the math. You don't need to do a percentage. You know that's bad. He went for 112 yards. He also threw a couple picks. Uh, in terms of rushing, uh, Raquel Armstead led the way. 24 carries, 108 yards. Like I said, he got that touchdown. And in terms of receiving, Randall Jones led the way. He was able to get three uh, three catches and 49 yards. Now, as far as defense, uh, like I said, Temple had a good game, really good game defensively. Both teams played pretty well defensively, but Temple just played a little bit better, and it obviously showed in the final score. But they were able to get six sacks, and uh, Rock 
Yasun, uh, sorry, Rock Yasin led the way with 10 total tackles and an interception. Uh, like I said, a couple players got two sacks, a uh, few players, and definitely more than one player got a sack on that defensive end for Temple. So a good game for them there. Uh, look for them uh, to probably win a couple more games this season. They'll probably get a ball game. So they're looking pretty hot. Toss on the other hand, um, you know, We'll just have to wait and see. I'm not too sure. I'm not going to say anything too much about them. These are smaller schools anyways. But uh, let's get into some top 25 action. And the first game we're going to have from those from the top 25 is going to be uh, you know, the, the Universal Central Florida taking on Florida Atlantic. That Atlantic, excuse me. That game will come on tomorrow about 4 p.m. or either 6 p.m. Uh, Saturday, Saturday, the this is when the big time, the big money games come on. Uh, but number twenty-three Boston College will take on Purdue from the Big Ten. Uh, then we're gonna have number eight Notre Dame taking on Wake Forest. That should be an easy win for them. Uh, Georgia will be taking number two. Georgia will be taking on Missouri. Another easy win for them. Uh, Nebraska will be facing number nineteen Michigan, and definitely, I won't say it now. But your boy, John Harbaugh, he's on the hot seat. So he needs to get this win here. Uh, then the next big time game, we're going to have number 22, Texas A&M. Uh, they're going to be taking on Alabama. This will be Alabama's first significant test of the season. Of course, they're a 27-point favorite. Uh, they held only uh, Ole Miss to only seven points last week. But Texas A&M, again, it's just a different team. They are ranked. They're, it's a divisional game. So I think... I think it'll be some challenge. Uh, uh, Texas A&M, they're led by their uh, their quarterback Kellen Mond, who's known for 640, 640 yards in the past two uh, past three weeks, and also five touchdowns. Uh, five touchdowns. Their defense has only allowed thirty six points so far this season. So you know, defensively they're looking good. They run a slower, almost pro style offense, so that might work in their favor too. And uh, also, they have a pretty decent running back as well. So they're, they're somewhat balanced. Again, I think Alabama still gets the win, but they might get challenged a little bit. Uh, next up, we got Kansas State going up against number 12, West Virginia. Uh, not too much to say about West Virginia. I think they get this game. Again, I don't think they, they can beat the, the top teams in that conference. Uh, Oklahoma, I don't think they can beat that beat that team. But they can definitely, get, they can definitely catch a Kansas State. Uh, next up, we got Clemson, number three in the nation, taking on Georgia Tech. Then we got Virginia Tech taking on a, a cupcake. Let's just keep it real. They're taking on Old Dominion. Old Dominion ain't nobody. Virginia Tech still ain't played nobody yet, so I'm not. I don't know where to to really rank them or how to really feel about them yet. Uh, Ohio State. They'll be having another two tune up game. Number four in the nation. They'll be taking on Tulane, another unranked team. They'll have an easy one against Tulane. Don't even worry about that. We won't be talking about that game. Uh, another big-time game, though, we're going to have uh, number 17, TCU. They're going to be taking on Texas. Uh, they've won the last four meetings uh, against Texas by 30 or more points, so they've won the series. However, uh, Texas ha has had a... I don't know, uh, somewhat of an up-and-down season. Uh, of course, they got that loss to Maryland to start off the year, but they did pretty well against a ranked USC team. They had 34 answer points in the second half. They were down 14-3. Uh, to three. Again, they had 30, 34 answer points, and uh, they seemed... They seem to be on the right track. I don't think they get a win against TCU though, but they are definitely on the right track. They'll be headed. They'll be headed somewhere, somewhere, some, somewhere down the line at least this season. I think maybe seven or eight wins this year. They'll improve, but I don't think they they get it done this week. Uh, next uh, next game we got is uh, number twenty one Miami of Florida taking on Florida International. Uh, I pretty much got Miami as a lock to win that game. I don't think Florida Atlanta, I'm mean, sorry, Florida International brings anything uh, to the table that they're not used to handling. So Miami, you know, I don't think they win huge, but they win decently. Uh, we got number, then we got number ten, Penn State taking on Illinois. Uh, they're getting into their conference play, another conference game here. I got Penn State win. Illinois, of course, I don't think they offer a whole lot of competition just yet to anybody. So I definitely got Penn State. I got. Penn State winning big that game. Uh, probably at least 
by three or four touchdowns. Uh, next game we got on tap, Texas Tech is Texas Tech and Oklahoma State. Uh, Oklahoma State is number 15 in the nation. Uh, this is going to be a Big 12, a solid Big 12 matchup. I expect there to be a lot of points. I would say over or under, I would say why not live big. I say 80 points. I still think Oklahoma gets it done, uh, just enough to get it done. Uh, they score probably a couple extra touchdowns in the fourth quarter to seal the deal. I don't see any of them bringing a whole lot of defense to the table, but I do see a lot of points being scored. Uh, moving on, we got number six, LSU, the big-time Tigers. They're going to be taking on Louisiana Tech. Again, this is another game, another easy game for LSU. Look for them to win that game and still be undefeated. Uh, we got number five, Oklahoma, taking on Army. Again, another cupcake game. I got Oklahoma winning big, massive scores, at least 55 points, something like that. Maybe 40-something, but they're going to win big. Uh, then we got 14 in the nation. We got number 14 in the nation, Mississippi State. They'll be taking on Kentucky. Kentucky's trash. They've always been trash. They always will be trash. I'm going Mississippi State. Probably not big because I'm not th- I don't think Mississippi State's all that great. They're just better than Kentucky. Uh, moving on, we got uh, Arkansas taking on Auburn, number nine in the nation. There's not too much Auburn can't do. They can throw the ball with Jason Stidham. They can run the ball around on you. I don't think Arkansas brings too much to the table. They might be able to score a little bit. They might be able to run the ball a little bit, but I'm still going to go with Auburn. Pretty by a pretty big amount. Uh, we got number 24, Michigan State, taking on Indiana. This game is going to be a little bit interesting because I don't know where Michigan State stands after that loss to Arizona State. I thought for sure they beat Michigan State, uh, but Indiana doesn't, you know, leaves a lot to be desired in, in, how, in terms of how good they are. Uh, I'm still going to side with Michigan State, but. Again, that's the last of their easy wins, so I'm going to have to go. Uh, I'll, we'll go with them this week, but I don't know so so far about them moving on to the rest of the season. But the last big match, in my opinion, uh, the only one matchup that I see this week between two ranked teams, this is why it's big time, this is going to be uh, the Pac-12 game. This is going to be Stanford versus my boys, the Ducks out of Oregon. We already know. They're both 3-0 going into this game. Stanford is ranked number 7 in the nation. Oregon is ranked number 20. A lot of your uh, pundits are gonna are gonna go with Stanford. A lot of your experts are gonna go with Stanford. Uh, they, of course, Bryce Love, um, he, the All American Heisman candidate. Uh, he's coming in the game with 165 yards so far, a couple touchdowns. The defense is really good for Stanford. They've allowed seven and seven point seven points in the past two games. Uh, but I think that 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 streak gets beaten. I think Oregon does pretty well. We have our running backs as well. We have a committee. Uh, we we are head by uh, Brooks James, Terry Brooks James, who should get off along with at least two other running backs. You know, I wouldn't count Oregon out. Justin Herbert has thrown for 12 touchdowns in the season. They're going to definitely score more than seven points. Um, You know what? I, you know, I, I said in the beginning of the year, I uh, know I probably said at the beginning of the year, I think, you know, with Oregon definitely being the the wild, the wild card in this division and in the conference, the dark horse, I had Oregon as a dark horse going into it. I I don't want to say an outright win right now, but I'm going to put Stanford on upset alert. Oregon is not to be played with. I think they can give up some points, but they can, they can, they're mature enough. I think they're better offensively. They'll give up some points probably early. Wait till that second half. We can probably, we might be able to sneak out a win in the second half. I'm not going to outright say it tonight, but I'll put Stanford number seven in the nation on upset alert. Do not count my ducks out, baby. We fly hot. Don't lie. You know this. Quack attack. Yeah, I'm going to say it tonight. But uh, we got Wisconsin, number 18 in the nation, taking on Iowa. Of course, Wisconsin suffered that loss last week to BYU. Mm. I don't want to say they go in there with a hangover. It depends on what I think the game is. If it's played in Ames, if it's played at Iowa, I don't know. Because Iowa, you know, I've seen it happen many years before. I've seen Michigan coming there as a high-ranked team. I've seen Ohio State coming there as a high-ranked team. And I've seen them take L's 
if Wisconsin's not paying attention, they could take another L, too. If they're still hungover from that loss to BYU, they're going to take an L. For those two reasons, I'm going to have to put Wisconsin on upset alert. I won't say they'll outright lose, but they're definitely on upset alert. It can go either way. I'm not buying Wisconsin after that loss to BYU. And finally, uh, the last game of the top 25 is going to be a Pac-12 game. Number 10, Washington, is going to be taking on Arizona State. Arizona State suffered a a setback last week. Uh, they were able to beat Michigan State a couple weeks ago. I uh, did talk about that. My bad if I got the re- weeks missed up. Uh, but Arizona State took a loss last week to Santa San Diego State. It's really unexpected. Uh, although, actually, uh, San Diego State does play beyond its ranking from time to time. Um, with that being said, though, Washington is still a solid team. Washington's number 10 in the nation. That's who I'm siding with. I like their quarterback. I like what they have to offer. I still think they get this game. Um, Arizona can probably score some points, but again, defensively, I don't think they can make enough stops on Washington. So I'm going to have to go with Washington pretty big time. Uh, I think they win by at least two scores. All right, ladies and gents, I'm going to take one last break. And when I come back, I'm going to go over this MLB. We're going to go over tonight's scores. We're going to go over some of the standings. And of course, I can we always do about this time. We at this time of the year, we're gonna be talking about the playoff picture and some wild cards. So uh, we come back, we're gonna be wrapping it up with that, y'all. All right now. All right, ladies and gents. So we're right back into it. We're gonna wrap this up for tonight. We're gonna talk some MLB to wrap everything up. Uh, we're gonna go over the scores first, and everything got started off with a big blowout by the A's, uh, blowing out the Angels 21 to three. Again, this is the most double-digit scores that I've ever seen in a baseball season. Teams are just getting blown out left and right. But let's talk a little bit about this game real quick. Marcus Simeon did his thing like he always does. Three hits, a career high, five RBIs. Steven Piscotty does his thing as well. He had a home run and four RBIs. And their magic number for the playoffs is five. I would say they're about five games away from winning either uh, their division. They could possibly win their division. That's still a possibility. They're only two and a half games back. Back or three and a half games back, excuse me. Uh, they are hot though. They are. They have gone six and four in their last ten, so they have a possibility. But they're if not, then they're definitely going to get a wild card spot. So we playing the Yankees, and the winner of that playoff game will be facing uh, the the Red Sox in the next round. Uh, as far as well, they they have a league best record 50, 58 and twenty five since July. Uh, like I said, we've been pretty hot. Uh, if you look at our last ten, uh, this is if you look at our stat, the last ten games, uh, you usually see seven and three, six and four, something like that. And like I've been stressing, uh, when you sport like baseball or or, uh, ho- or hockey or basketball, any long winded season that encompasses months and stuff like that, you want to take a good look at that. Uh, that last 10 stat uh, just to see uh, where that team is going if you check it every week or so every couple of weeks or so and you see that team's gone six and four seven and three within their last 10 you look at that stat that pretty much is a good good indication of where that team is headed Oakland has maintained either seven and three eight and two six and four in their last 10 since July so obviously that makes sense 58 to 25 the best record since July that makes perfect sense and it will be it will be a perfect ending if we we're able to uh, find our way as find our way to the top top spot of the playoffs uh, or at least the top spot in our division so that would that would look good uh, but we're definitely uh, looking at a playoff spot again we do have to have that play-in game with the Yankees but uh, in terms of pitching for the A's Edwin Jackson did a uh, pretty solid job. He went for five innings, three hits, two on runs, and seven strikeouts. Uh, as far as the Angels go, uh, they got two uh, two RBIs overall as a team. Uh, Mark, uh, sorry, Mike Trout, uh, their MVP, their all-star, was able to get one of them. Uh, two pitchers had five earned runs. Uh, they only had six, uh, six Ks as a team. I'm talking about the Angels. It's just a bad game for them, but then again, they're near the bottom you know, of the division. So what did you really expect? Uh, again, the A's, like I said, they're three and a half games back uh, to the Astros. So again, you know, with as many games as we do have in the season, there's there's a possibility we could still win the division. Uh, but more than likely, like I said, we're probably going to get that wild card spot. But there's always hope. Uh, uh, other scores we got in the league, uh, we got the Mets beating the Nationals 5-4. to four. 
uh, the Yankees. Uh, they beat the uh, sorry, the Red Sox beat the Yankees 11 to six, and the Red Sox have officially clinched the AL East. Uh, Mookie Betts, I would say an MVP candidate. We'll talk a little bit more about those uh, probably right up right up near the end of the season. Why not tomorrow night? We can probably talk a little bit about that. Um, Mookie Betts had four hits, five RBIs, and a three-run homer in the eighth. This is pretty much what bust the game open and helped the uh, helped the Red Sox win. Uh, the Red Sox only need two more wins to best to basically get a franchise record of 106 wins for them. So they're looking up and up, and this hasn't happened. They haven't gotten anywhere near. Well, uh, they'll break a record of the break the record of 105 wins that they set in 1912 so they're right there they're sitting about they're sitting at 104 wins right now so they're pretty close they're they're more than likely gonna get it they're definitely gonna get it and uh craig kimball uh recorded his 40 uh, 41st save of the of the season and this and this will put him at second in the league in terms of saves um as far as the yankees go uh carlos uh Stanton, excuse me, their power hitter. Uh, he was able to get a three-run homer at some point. Uh, Andrew McCutcheon, their left fielder, they recently got from the Giants, uh, all-star, former all-star. He got two hits tonight, and their um, their first baseman, Luke Voigt, had two RBIs. Now, fun fact about this guy, Luke Voigt, he can bench press 135 pounds with one arm. That didn't help them out tonight, but I thought it was a fun fact to share. Now, in terms of pitching for the Yankees, uh, Mashiro Tanaka had an awful night, and uh, he went four innings, eight hits, and he allowed five uh, five runs. It was a it was a bad night for Yankees pitchers in general, especially the middle relievers. So just a bad game from them. But again, they're still in line to get a playoff spot. Uh, they'll be fighting uh, for that wild card. They'll be pretty much playing the A's uh, at the end of the season. Uh, but you know they took the L tonight, and um, the Red Sox got that 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 division that divisional title. Uh, moving on, the White Sox beat the Indians five to four. Uh, the Royals they lose uh, to the Tigers eight to eleven. Uh, the Reds beat the Marlins four to two, and the Phillies beat the Braves eight to three. Um, the Braves this this game was actually tied uh, three three uh, going into the eighth inning. Uh, Dansby Swanson, their the shortstop and pitch hitter, uh, the Braves sorry. Their shortstop, the Braves shortstop, Dansby Swanson, and their pinch, uh, their pinch hitter, excuse me, Lucas Duda, uh, hit two doubles, adding four runs to base. Like I said, that basically running the game. Uh, they added a couple more runs. Uh, that put them at seven. They added one more run that's to make it eight uh, in the eighth inning as well. And uh, their magic number to clinch a playoff spot is four. So they need to be at least four games up on their next uh, closest rival, which would be the Phillies. And uh, it would be the Phillies and the Nationals. So they need to get, need to at least get to be four games. Uh, they had a four-game edge, which they're pretty much at. Uh, they have, they're, up, they're up a few games on them. So they pretty much have that in line. Uh, the Phillies could have pushed it a little bit longer, but they lost today. And just with their look, looking at their last 10, they've gone four and for six in their last 10. I don't think they'll have enough to keep up. Uh but Kevin uh, Gaussman for the Braves, he will be picking up the win for this one. He had he uh, did a he had a solid outing, uh, six innings, uh, but he did give up five hits, but only three runs, and he had uh, seven strikeouts. As far as the Phillies go, first baseman Carlos Santana, left fielder uh, Oduel Herrera, and uh, catcher Jose Alfaro all got RBIs. But of course, it wasn't enough. We only got three runs, of course. And again, another another nasty night for pitchers, at least for them. Uh, they had two pitchers go at it. Uh, two pitchers get significant time in today's game. Uh, they had Jose, uh, sorry, uh, Vince Velasquez, Velasquez, and Luis Garcia. They they went for about three innings each. Um, Velasquez gave up five hits, two earned runs, and a walk. And Garcia gave up two hits and four earned runs. He gave up those two doubles in the eighth inning that opened up the game. That pretty much lost, uh, lost the Phillies the game. So a tough break for them. They probably won't get into the playoffs this year. This was one of their chances, and uh, it just sucks for them. It really does because they, you know, a lot of teams have a chance, and it just sucks to kind of to see them play themselves out like that. But 
There's always needs to be a winner and there needs to be a loser. Uh, but let's get into these standings real quick. Uh, let's get into the AL, uh, starting with the East. Um, sitting on top, we got the Red, uh, the Red Sox, 104 and 49. Like I said, they've already won a division, so that's pretty much wrapped up. They have an official playoff spot, so we're moving on to the number two team, the Yankees. They're at 93 and 59. Of course, they pretty much have a uh, playoff spot as well. They'll be going to the wild card. Uh, moving on to the Central Division, of course, the Indians are on top. They're at 85 and 67. They have no real competition. They are the winner of that of that uh, division. I'm waiting on a magic number for them. I'll tell you when I get it. Uh, in terms of the uh, AL West, it's still wide open. Uh, the A's, like I said, are three and a half games back. The Astros are on top, 95 and 57, 64 in their last 10. The A's, same thing, 64 in their last 10. They are 92 and 61. You know, with three and a half games back, with the way they've been playing, they have a shot at beating at, at, at beating out the Astros for that number one spot. Um but again, with the ways the Astros are playing, they're, uh, a lot of their stars are coming back. A lot of their all their good players are coming back from injury. Hey, you never know. Uh, you know, it looks like the Astros may pull it out. But again, the A's have a shot. They're going to be going up against the Yankees for that wild card spot. And I actually, looking at what I saw with their last series with them about a week or so ago, we came out on top of that series two to one. I actually like the way we performed in that series. Our bats came alive. Um, our pitching came alive and, you know, who knows what can happen in a seven game series. Uh, I don't know if we can best the Red Sox, but I know the Yankees don't want to see us in a one game playoff. I know they don't want to see us. They don't want to see us with one game. They don't want to see, they don't want to see the bros. They don't want to see the bros, Simeon and Piscotti for one. They don't want to see them. They don't want it. They don't want it. Count high. They don't want it with bros. They don't want it with my bros. So, um, if the season were to end, well, the season ends, uh, the A's, the A's go to that wild card game with the Yankees. I don't want to be a homer. I don't want to be, you know, just rah rah A's this, A's that. But I definitely think between those two teams, they are the better team. Uh, the real question for the A's would be to see if we are able to get back the, past the Yankees. Uh, how well do we do from then? I think that's the real question. Uh, you don't know, and we'll have to see. Hopefully, they do get past the Yankees. But I think it's, I think we're pretty good. I think we're good enough to get past the Yankees. That's just me. That's just me. Uh, but as far as the East, as far as the NL is concerned, the National League, excuse me, is concerned. Starting with the East, uh, the Braves are on top, 85 and 68 in terms of their win and loss. In their last 10, they've gone 6 and 4. I said it before, I'll say it again. Uh, the Phillies, they played themselves out. They could have had an opportunity to stay in the mix. They're at 78 and 74, 4 and 6 in their last 10. I just don't see it. Uh, the Nats, they're at 77 and, 70, uh, 77 and 76. They're out as well math, mathematic, mathematically. I don't see what too much they can do. Uh, in terms of the Central, uh, this is also a competitive division. This might be decided the last day of the season. Uh, we got the Cubs on top right now. They're 89 and 63, 6 and 4 in their last 10. Just enough to maintain their, their spot. Uh, we got the Brewers right upon their heels. They're they're nipping at them. They're at 87 and 66. They've gone 6 and 4 in their last 10. So they're right up on each other. They're they're matching each other uh, pace for pace. Uh, you know, again, this might be decided the last game of the season. Uh, the Brewers will not go away, and I don't want them to. I like this. This is exciting. This is what makes baseball exciting uh, to me. Uh, teams right up on each other, teams competing for the same one or two spots. It's amazing. Oh, beautiful. And you have the cards. There are, they have a long shot. They're five and a half games back. They're five and five in the last 10. But overall, they're 84 and 69. Uh, they're still in a wild card. Uh, they're still in a wild card discussion. So if the season ends, they're more than likely going to be facing the Brewers. Like I've been saying the past few weeks, it's going to be an NL Central wild card playoff. That'll be interesting. We don't really see two divisional foes taking off on each other like that. But that will just let you know more and more so that the, the central division is a good division. Your, your champion may come out of this division. Who knows? But these are three solid teams so far. Uh, as far as the West goes, uh, it still hasn't been won, but we have an idea of who your two forerunners are going to be. Uh, we have the Dodgers there at one. They're at 85 and 68. They go off seven and three in their last 10. They're really hitting that playoff push. They do have the All-Stars, the All-Stars, excuse me, the talent to do so. So I'm not surprised. They should win this division. They should have. 
they sh- they should always be in the mix to win it to win the division. But this year they need to make a trade near the end of the season to get Manny Machado. They've done that. They look to be in a position to to win a division, but again, I don't know how well they do in the playoffs. Um, they're not a foregone conclusion to me. Uh, they might have trouble with you know the Braves. They could have trouble with the Cubs. You know they could even have trouble with the Braves. I mean I'm sorry with the the Brewers. So. Uh, again, I'm sure they could probably win this division. Again, just knowing how well they do in the playoffs, you know, on their recent history, I'm I'm not 100% all sure. Uh, at number two, we got the Rockies. They're at 82 and 70, uh, two and a half games back, four and six in the last ten. You know, they're inching kind of out of it. Uh, I'm not too sure, you know, if they can catch up. Like I said, I pretty much had the Dodgers winning that. And at third, we have the Diamondbacks. They're at 79 and 74, six games back. I would say at this point, they're out of it. Uh, too far back, uh, not consistent enough. They've gone three and seven in the last 10. But you can't do that at this point. You need every win counts because, you know, at one point, all three of these teams were one game away from being able to win this division. And this is how crucial it is to stay consistent. Now we have the Diamondbacks nearing, you know, about a week or so. Uh, near the end of the season, they're at three and seven in the last ten. They're completely out of their divisional race, which means they're pretty much out of a playoff spot. Because, like I said, the two wild card spots right now are going to Milwaukee and the Cardinals. So, you know, unless you're at 85 wins, 86 wins, you're out of the equation completely. Uh, so, you know, tough break for the Phillies. Uh, tough break for the Diamondbacks, but this is just how the game rolls, y'all. This high ropes. Uh, like I said, I t- talked about the wild quarters a little bit. The A's are going to be taking off. Uh, they're more likely to be taking on the Yankees. Like I said, I got the A's in that game, that one-game series. I don't I, – I think there's two – the A's can get hot too quick, and they're not They're not a one-game team that you want to see for that that one time. They're not They're not the team that you want to see. I got the A's winning that. In terms of the A and NL, uh, depending on where it, where it lands out, if I were to take a stab at it right now and just uh, look at it between the cars and Milwaukee – I, I'm 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 up in the air with that one. Uh, they've been they've been obviously on each other's heels, maybe at, nipping at each other in the, in the divisional play. I can't make a decision about that right now. But what I will tell you is the winner of that division, uh, the winner of that playoff game, excuse me, that that wild card game may challenge. I I think they have a good uh, solid case to challenge in that next round, whoever they play. So uh, look for that to happen. All right, y'all, we're going to wrap it up for tonight. Tomorrow we come back. Uh, like I said, I wanted to get into the State of the Union addresses for uh, for these for these teams, these NFL teams. So tomorrow I'll um, – and like I said, I wanted to go in depth depending on what team and, you know, uh, depending on where they're at and just how bad or good they are. Tomorrow I'll be starting off with the Steelers. I wanted to get a little in-depth with them, just talk about why I think they're near the end of their dominance – Talking about a little bit about Ben Roethlisberger too. Uh, also, we're gonna go over some uh, MVPs for baseball. Uh, we're gonna go over the end of the year awards for that. Some candidates for that. Uh, I'm not too sure about the world on the street yet. We may not really have no world news to, to discuss. It is the weekend. I like to take a little break. Uh, another thing I did want to talk about was the white boy beef. Yes, I'm talking Machine Gun Kelly. I'm talking Eminem. I think some raw bars have been spit by both sides. I like it. I like the hip-hop competition. We're going to talk a little bit about that as well, y'all. All right, we're going to wrap it up for now. Like I said, this is your man, El Jamal. This is Never Out of Bounce. Y'all enjoy y'all night. Much love. Mwah. Peace out.